Hello and welcome to a very special episode of Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, where instead of Spencer, today it's my husband, Pete. Yes. We are going to talk about the brand new Pokemon games, Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. And uh, we've been playing for a day or so, about a day's worth of being awake. And uh, we'll uh, we'll talk about our first impressions of like the early part of the game. And we will talk about it in the in the terms of sort of the uh, uh, like stuff from the trailers so we're not going to get into like the specific details of what happens when you go to the school or whatever but you know that you go to the school from from the trailers and uh just kind of talk about those first impressions what we think about the game and how it stacks up to the other recent switch titles wait so there's a school i hate you what <laughs> i'm asking a question also we're asked we're, <laughs> we're recording this in our living room because I did not want to go through the rigmarole of like setting up in the office and shutting out the pets and stuff. So you may hear some ambient scampering from the dog and the cat. So sorry, Rashad and congratulations, everyone else. Yeah. That little tinkling sound um, a couple minutes ago, that was the cat. Yeah. And the one right now is the dog pacing restless. Would you go to bed, please go to bed. Bed. Good boy. Great, great radio. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Is this how your podcast usually is? <laughs> yeah, it's perfect. Sounds um, great. <laughs> so, uh, uh, first impressions. You did. You like to soft reset for your starter. So, outside of the story leading up to getting your starter, which is the first thing you do in any Pokemon game. Mm-hmm. Your first impressions are mostly from today, whereas I played a, a lot yes. last night before I went to sleep. Yes, Tell I was, your first I was up for t- about 20 hours yesterday, yeah. and uh, I was very tired by the time we actually picked up the game. Yeah. Uh, I I mean, even just the little bit I played last night, um, you know, where I did the little, like, mini story of getting your starter and um, the soft resetting that I did uh, is actually... I really liked it. Like, I think the um, graphics actually look pretty nice, um, all things considered. Um, I mean, I I do think it's a little bit of a step forward for the Pokemon series in general, um, particularly for the models that they're using for the actual Pokemon. Like, um, I picked Coco for mine, and um, you can actually see its scales. Um, So, like, that's kind of cool. I think there's a little bit more detail on them. the scenery can be a little hit or miss, um, but I, th- I think all things considered, like it's pretty good. Yeah, I would um, say the scenery writ large is really nice. The world is really pretty, but it's those like up close details that yeah. are awkward. Like the grass is translucent, which I think is a strange artistic choice that may be a choice they made around making the game work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, if you've seen the trailers, the textures are rough Mm. and it's so weird because the textures on the characters and the Pokemon are very high quality. Like you were saying, but the world itself, uh, I think the, I think the building, I think models Mm -hmm. like the buildings and stuff, but the nature is where they like, they were like, look, it's green. Let's make it a little green and it's a little in 64 quality at parts. I think they struggle with some of the more like natural features. Yeah. So it's not breath of the wild. It's not horizon zero dawn. This is not any PlayStation (laughs) game. Like let's be real. (laughs) But like, I love the switch. 
and like I love Pokemon, but like I know what I meant. Yeah, <laughs> it's not PlayStation. And I think if you know, if you don't know this, uh, obviously there was a lot of controversy around the graphics for Sword and Shield. I think there was a somewhat more muted amount of controversy around that for legends because legends, I think was such an enticing gameplay swerve that people didn't care about that as much. And for this, I think there has been not nearly as vitriolic as for sword and shield, but a renewed critique of the, the graphics. And I would say it's not that I don't see what people are saying. Like I see it now. Yeah. In sword and shield. I thought one sword and shield did a great job outside of the wild area of making Mm -hmm. everything look very pretty. Yes. Uh, It was a a controlled environment and they did a really good job with that. And the wild area was where things suffered. You got those batter or those batter God, those worst textures. Uh, And legends Arceus was much more of that. Like let's make it look like what it looks like and not necessarily Mm. refine it to look perfect and beautiful and picturesque. Yeah. I feel like, legends had kind of an optimal range. Like uh-huh. You don't want to be too close or too far away. Yeah. Um, and I think Scarlet and Violet maybe looks a little more muddled in the world than Arceus does. Yeah. I guess I'd say that. I don't know. Like I, I think it still looks really good. It's very vibrant. It's and much brighter yeah, it's colors. Much, yeah. It's a lot brighter colors. I think overall, like um, the city so all we've been to is like the main city so far. Yeah. Like that's like the only one either of us has really visited. Yeah. But I that just looks... got to the town with one of the first gyms. That's not really a spoiler. Yeah. <laughs> well, it has gyms. Yeah. It has gyms. Um, I, one but, of... but I, well, what I was trying to get was, uh, yeah, the main city is called Mesa Goza and it looks awesome. Like, yeah, I think, was it Winden and what was the other city? Winden was the big one. Uh, another one from Sword and Shield. In Sword and Shield. Uh, in Galar. Uh, Motostoke. Yeah. Like those didn't feel like they were really inhabited. Like they, you had like maybe one or two roads you could really go on. Yeah. And that was kind of it. Whereas like Mesa Goza, like it's, there's a lot to explore and there's a lot of like nooks and crannies, different stores, like all this stuff. And there's people walking around. Yeah. There's not just like a, there's one, it's not like one dude standing outside of a store. Yeah. Saying some random BS. Yeah. You you think about Winden, you get to the, the, the first time you enter the city, you get to this like square where there's a big, like circular fountain statue thing. And there are people posed all around it. And there's like one or two people walking around. And it's like, they did a good effort to make it a tableau. But mm-hmm. then you like walk through the city and it feels a little bit like a ghost town and it's supposed to be London. And like, I don't yeah. need it to be <laughs> London, but this game, this game succeeds where sword and shields, big cities failed at making yeah. you feel like you are in a bustling place. You're like in an actual city where people, so, that city where is, people live. <laughs> that city is huge. Yeah. It's really big. I mean, there's a lot of, like I said, there's a lot of like nooks and crannies to mm-hmm. explore. And I mean, there's, stores and restaurants and like cafes yeah. and all this stuff. So, you know, it can be a little hard to navigate in that sense. Cause yeah. they're kind of all over, but like, I kind of like that. Yeah. And the map uh, is useful for yeah. that too. Yeah. And you, I mean, you can look that stuff up on the map. Yeah. Um, so I think, uh, I think too, part of Mesa Goza and I think also part of the world building is uh, the Mesa Goza stuff looks really good. I think they do a lot of good textures for the buildings where they don't necessarily succeed for the grass, or the trees or whatever. But I think one thing that they've done really well is the sort of slope of the landscape. Mm-hmm. Mesa Goza, I kept turning corners and seeing a new type of city. It still looked like it was part of Mesa Goza. 
but it didn't look like the other parts I had seen yet. Mm-hmm. And I knew I was in the city, but I was like, oh my gosh, this is here too. And I, I literally spent more than an hour trying to see all of Mesa Goza. And it's like, at a certain point you realize like, yeah, this is another one of those sandwich shops and they're all selling the same sandwich. They have mm-hmm. a lot of different shops, but ultimately they are more or less selling the same thing. And, and you know, yeah. I mean, part of that is it's a Pokemon game. Like it's about right. the stuff you can do with the Pokemon. They're mm-hmm. not going to have a bunch of shops just like there's doors that you can't go into just because that's a city that's supposed to look like a city. Yeah. And I mean like the restaurants are usually selling different things. Yeah. Or at least, like, like minor they'll have. Well, I think there's like a sort of set menu and they might sell like five of those things on like the games overall menu. Like they're, I guess they're, their master list of foods. Yeah. And yeah, it's selling maybe like five of those, but they all do like different things. Yeah. So it's like, that's kind of cool. Like you're sort of like looking for a particular restaurant that is yeah. selling something. And I also found, I, I'm the type of person that I will try and find every nook and cranny. Mm. And I will try and talk to every NPC that can be talked to because yeah. I want all that world building. I know it's Pokemon. And I know half of the world building is Pokemon are great. Friendship is wonderful. I mean, I do that too, but it's more so because like sometimes people give you shit. They give you presents, yeah. Yeah, sometimes they just Uh, give you free shit and like, all right, cool. Yeah, I think that this game, I was really impressed with the amount of people in Mesa Goza Mm -hmm. who said things that were worthwhile. Yeah. Much more story, much more world building and much more commenting on mechanics in ways that are helpful. Yeah. And you've got like a lot of different people walking around because there's like, you know, adults, there's children. And then you've got like all the students that are running around and it's like, they're different size students. I mean, Mesa Goza in and of itself has probably about as many people to talk to in it as like half of the towns and cities in sword and shield. Yeah. And I would say it's like three to four times more useful information in those conversations. It feels a bit like, uh, was it Castelia city and yes. Unova yeah. where yeah, like, yeah. there's like a ton of people walking around. They're not all like interactable. Sometimes they're just sort of talking Set to them. They're, they're just sort of like talking to themselves yeah. and walking. That one down kid the street. That's like, I want to go home and I'm like, go then. <laughs> okay. Like, <laughs> Who is stopping you? Yeah. Um, You're walking in circles. Yeah. But I mean, even still, it's, it looks really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think overall, like, that's one of the things that I really like about this game is the world building. Because, uh, like, Paldea is based on Spain. And, like, I got to uh, study in Madrid when I was in college. So, particularly, like, Mesa goes, like, exploring that kind of brings me back a little bit. And, kind of like, Madrid has, like, sort of a um, soft spot for me. Um, or it's like, I'm really sentimental about it. So, um, I really like that they've brought so much of like Spanish culture into the game. So like, you'll walk, you'll see people walking around and they're like speaking Spanish or people have Spanish names or like they're selling paella at the restaurant. Yeah. It's like that kind of stuff. Like, I really like that. They touched their toe in the water of that with a little bit of French in X and Y. Yeah. But with. Sun and Moon and Sword yeah, and Shield Sun and, Moon, and Scarlet and Violet. Lots of like slang and stuff like that from the region they're they're using gets mm-hmm. pulled in. And in this, it's just like Spanish language. It's very cool. Yeah. Um, okay. So I think there's a couple of important new features. Mm-hmm. I would say there's the new terrestrialization feature, which turns your Pokemon into a single type bejeweled form mm-hmm. that either juices one of its natural types or changes it to a third specific type. That is a, a sort of oversimplification, but that's basically what happens. Yeah. So like if you get Charizard and it's a 
you know, its terror type is fire, then it has, you know, its stab moves, the same type attack bonus. So um, the uh, if it use a flying move, it still gets the stab attack, even though you're now only a fire type. But then your fire type move gets like boosted. It, yeah. I think it gets. I think it basically gets like adaptability. Yeah. Boost for it, like that for that. So it's like instead of one and a half times the power, it's two times the power. Yeah. Um. But if you get say like dragon on it, then dragon moves like dragon claw would you know it would get the stab bonus, but you would still retain your bonus for like your flying and fire moves. Yeah. So you become essentially a an extra powered version of yourself or you get a third type from an offensive standpoint. Yeah. Defensively, you become a single type. So you might, you know, if you're a Pikachu and you have electric terror type, you're still an electric type defensively. There's no change. Mm -hmm. But uh, if you're a double type, or if you are changing to a type that your Pokemon doesn't naturally have, you're switching up what moves are going to be effective against you. So I think there's going to be a lot of interesting things going on there. Yeah. And I have found this to be one of the more fun and intuitive mechanics while also being strategically very challenging. Mm -hmm. And I think part of that comes into the other aspect of terrestrialization, which is the raids. Yeah. So raids were introduced in sword and shield. Uh, They have been reintroduced here and they've been updated. Now you move, you, you are given a certain amount of time before you can make a command. And that time's a little unclear. I'm sure we'll figure it out sooner or later. Yeah. But there's you make a command, you you launch an attack or something, and then your attack goes off, and then you sort of sit there for a couple of seconds, and then you're able to make another command. But meanwhile, the other three people in the raid are also making attacks, and the mm-hmm. thing you're attacking is attacking back. And so it is a much more kinetic experience than yeah. the sort of sit and wait aspect of the raids in Sword and Shield. It's much less tedious. Yeah, like it's, it's more engaging. It's a lot faster paced. Like mm-hmm. I have had some max raids that were just excruciating yeah uh, especially, I mean, and especially once like, you've like figured out what you're doing yeah it's kind of like, okay like i have a you know eight pokemon that you yeah. can defeat this one thing like I, i've got this and right. so then you're just sitting there waiting for people to like make their moves and like I, i've done this too where like I get distracted and look at my phone and I'm like, oh shit, I have to like actually do stuff in this rate still. Right. But, but these it are, just, it just gets like, I think those got bogged down a lot, but yeah, these definitely get more, they're just more engaging. They're more dynamic. Yeah. They're more, they're I, just, they're just faster. They don't give you time to look at your phone. In yeah. Sword and shield. There was time because you put in your attack and then you had to wait until the last person who was connected put in their attack. And sometimes they would drag ass. Mm-hmm. And then every Pokemon in turn order has to launch their attacks. And sometimes the Dynamax Pokemon gets multiple attacks a turn. Yeah. And so you're just sitting there while these like animations are playing. Mm-hmm. And I think it was really fun at first because yeah. it was one, it was new. And two, it was a completely new way to play together. And the Dynamax phenomenon looks cool, especially on a big TV. Yeah. But these have changed it so that it is taking taking the like come together and fight a powerful Pokemon aspect of raids and making it a kinetic, always engaged experience mm-hmm. instead of one that you're checking in and out of once you've kind of gotten used to it. Like, yeah. I don't think I think that as much as raids can become on wheels these are going to become on wheels where you're just pushing a, because the move you need is at the top of the list, Mm -hmm. but like you're still, you're going to have to be paying attention because you're going to be attacking in a couple of seconds. Mm -hmm. 
And I think the other thing is just from a strategic standpoint, it makes it a lot harder that, you know, a certain Pokemon can have like this other type that you don't necessarily, like you haven't necessarily planned for. So like we did a raid earlier that it had a, an, a Sandy Gast with an ice Terra type and we couldn't, we couldn't beat it because yeah. I think we, I don't think we, well, we were, didn't have a lot of like strong Pokemon. Yeah. It was, we were I mean, a little under leveled. Yeah. We haven't gotten like that strong yet. Um, but even so, but yeah, basically like Sandy Gast, like, well, we both started with Fue Coco. So that's probably our strongest, you know, uh, offensive Pokemon against that. And but then, against dice. but then it has, ground type staffs. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, shit. Yeah. So I think there's some real like mental challenges that will be a lot harder if you are not like us and you don't have the type chart mem- memorized for like a decade or more now. <laughs> I haven't memorized. <laughs> <But> like, <laughs> so, I think, I mean that sarcastically. <laughs> yeah. But I think, don't drag me. <laughs> I think it will be, I think it is a challenge even for a seasoned player. And I think that's a good thing. Yeah. They, I mean, we've been playing, we've been playing nonstop for like, 10 years or more. Yeah. I do think they lowered the, the, uh, levels too. So I think there's, mm. there are more stars for raids. It used to be one yeah. to five star raids in sword and shield. I believe it goes up to seven now. Yeah. I think seven goes up pretty close to like level hundred. That's the rumor I've heard. But, yeah. Uh, the well, one stars, we not tried that yet. <laughs> yeah. The one stars in sword and shield, the Pokemon, if you caught them, they were level 15, uh, in this, they're level 12. The two stars in Sword and Shield were level 25 and this, they're 20. So I think they've mm-hmm. made them a little easier. So I, all that is to say, don't be too intimidated. Even if you're playing on your own, I think they give you much stronger computers than Sword and Shield. Sword yeah. and Shield gave you lame ducks. They gave you people who were, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Useless. <laughs> I mean, honestly, the, the guy with the fucking soul rock. Uh, Martin. That, oh my God. <laughs> Cosmic power, cosmic power, cosmic power. Attack it. Jackass. Attack you <laughs> horse's ass. Yeah. <laughs> Drove so. me nuts. Oh, or the guy with the halucha that's like, oh, feather dance. Yeah. <laughs> Just attack. Yeah. You have stab and it's super effective. Please contribute. If you weren't a digital person, I would murder you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I would th- throw you into this giant Pokemon's mouth. <laughs> So I think that the Terra phenomenon, I think, is more strategically interesting than Dynamax. Mm-hmm. I, I, some people don't like Dynamax. I ended up liking it after I got used yeah, to it. I had to warm up to it, too. Yeah. I think the fact that you were able to set up other things, yeah. I think, made it a lot more worthwhile. And so, that, um, that yeah, particularly strategic with like, value. Yeah, particularly with, like, weather and terrain. So, like, um, you know, the competitions where you could get like the shiny galarian legendary birds like yeah that was i cool. was yeah i was using a, a rain team and i mean honestly like g max lapras was sort of the cornerstone of my team because it can set up like rain electric terrain and um what's the, the uh, aurora, aurora veil oh yeah, yeah 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 like set up all three of those in like during its Dynamax turn, and then I kind of be set. So yeah. I like, had that with like Alolan Raichu that just really loved that kind of stuff. And so now I'm like, well, I don't have that anymore. So I have to think about how I'm going to re, um, I guess, rethink this entire team. Yeah. And I, I definitely think that there are 
there are many more strategic aspects to terrestrialization because mm-hmm. of the way that Pokemon is so central to the type chart. Yeah. The ability to increase your attack when you use a fighting uh, Dynamax move is great for a lot of Pokemon, mm-hmm. but some Pokemon don't use attack and it's a bit of a whiff. But if your Pokemon is fighting Terrastal, it will always benefit from that mm-hmm. in fighting moves, regardless of whether or not it started out as a fighting type. So I think it's a little bit easier to use or maybe more user-friendly, I guess, is a better way to say that. Mm. But also the strategic elements of that are sort of limitless. There are 18 types in Pokemon. Theoretically, you can get a Pokemon. Any Pokemon can be any one of those 18 types. Now, if you catch Mm. it in the wild, it is one of its natural types, unless it's a special Pokemon. Yeah, so like if you catch like a, a... I don't know that you can do this, but if you catch a Charmander in the wild, it's yeah. going to have the fire terror type unless you get it in a terror raid or if you get it um, when they're when like, like glowing, sparkling. Yeah. Then it could be like another thing. Like if you've seen the trailers, they, I don't know, fought a Jigglypuff that had the water terror type. Yeah. So it, like, unless it's in one of those two circumstances, it's always going to be one of its like natural types. Yeah. So I just think that terrestrialization from a strategic battling standpoint is really cool. And like I said, like I've already, my first terror raid battle, I was like, oh, it's a drowsy. I know what to use, but it's not psychic type. So now I'm not sure because you're, you're having to add an extra sort of like line of mental equations of like, okay, this thing is going to be launching its normal attacks at me, Mm -hmm. but now it has potentially an extra types worth of attacks and what's good against that defensively might be weak to its normal attacks and stuff like that, just like our example earlier. And I think that's a really fun mental challenge that makes these raids much more exciting and engaging. And then once you're in them, they're much more exciting and engaging. Yeah. Um, and they, yeah, they go so much faster. Cause, I mean, yeah. you could waste like 10 minutes on a a, a max rated. Yeah. Like. And then not win it. Uh, <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. There was, do you remember when they were doing the Mewtwo ones? Yeah. Um, I was never able to beat those. I came so close one time because in my group, there were two Grimmsnarl and these people would not attack the stupid Mewtwo. We were so close to beating it. If one of them had attacked, we would have gotten it. But no, they both picked like light screen. Those motherfuckers. Just just hit it. Oh, and that's another thing. In these raid battles, there is a communication feature Mm -hmm. where you can say, hey, let's attack. Hey, let's defend. You can communicate to the people in your raid and tell them what strategy you're looking at, which is really cool, even if you're not there. Um, So was that the that's not the cheer function, is it? No, it's a different you push like the plus or the minus button and there are like dialogue (sighs) options to talk to people. (laughs) They're like simple dialogue options to be like, hey, I'm let's focus on attacking stuff like that. So Mm. you can strategize with people that you're not in the same room with that you don't know. Uh, because like even in that two star rate, I was like, uh, like I'm healing. I hope that nobody else is healing because I don't want to waste our heals because you can only heal. You can you can do the cheering function that can heal you or boost your offense or boost your defense, but each player can only do it three times. So like coordination makes a lot of sense mm-hmm. and it gives you those options in the game, and that's so great. And the cheering is also nice. Like if if you played the max raids in Sword and Shield, like you, <sighs> you know, like if you got knocked out, you could cheer. And maybe it would do something cool. A lot of times it just wouldn't. It would just whiff. And so this, like, uh, you can either boost attack, boost defense, or heal. Yeah. So that's really nice. So, like, if you don't, let's say you have a bad attacking type against this Pokemon, then you can still 
help. Yeah. So that's really, really nice. Yeah. You're never useless in the raids. Never completely useless. Right. Which is, <laughs> it's new. I, I just think, I think obviously a lot, if you're, if you are a generational player of Pokemon, you know, each new generation takes a lot of the stuff they tried last time and iterates on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, I think, is such an improvement that it feels like Sword and Shield was really a dry run for what this game was going to be. Yeah, I feel like I would agree with that. Like, I think Sword and Shield was definitely sort of a transitional yeah. game, um, getting us to Legends and then to Scarlet and Violet. Yeah. Now, I think that the uh, biggest aspect of this game is that it's an open world, which is brand new to Pokemon. Uh, Legends Arceus was an open region, but you had to go in and out of a, a central zone to go between like the open, the sort of like distinct open areas. Mm-hmm. So that was definitely also a bit of a, like a let's test this out. Yeah. Um, this also has multiple storylines. So one is the classic gym storyline. One is basically them separating the evil team out from the classic gym storyline and making its own thing that you can do independently. Mm-hmm. And then one of them is like fighting giant Pokemon that seems to be like this game's new story feature. And that's tied to whatever mystery this game is trying to put forth. Yeah. We don't now, really know how those flow at yeah, all. Yeah. I haven't done I mean, any yeah. of them. Like we, we haven't gone that far. Cause like, the world is so big. Yeah. Well, so like, <laughs> Pretty much like you, you get started, you get your Pokemon and it, as as soon as you're done with the tutorial, it's like, all right, head to the school. Yeah. And then you, you muck about in there for a little bit and then yeah. they're like, all right, well, uh, you can do this, this or this. So yeah. have fun. I've, um, I've heard that the gyms don't scale and I was disappointed. That's the word on the street. I yeah. think that there is, I think uh, the, if you listen to the It's Super Effective podcast, they have a good point of that, that the gyms are probably supposed to be the classic experience, especially for people who maybe haven't played a Pokemon game in a while and are coming back and remember, oh, I do the gyms. I do them in an order. Mm-hmm. There is an order. You don't have to do them in that order. But the if you go to the gym that the game intended for you to be the third gym, it is going to be the strength of the third gym. And if you're expecting it to be the first one, you will lose. Yeah. Um, so that's what we've that's what we understand. It seems like yeah. that's pretty much just how it's set up. Well, uh, what I wasn't it like, expecting. It, it seems like they're just trying to. I know, do, do something for everyone. Yeah, but, um, but what I wasn't expecting is that there are, so when you, they put markers on your map for where the gyms are that have little descriptions of the gym leaders. And two of the gym leaders, both of the ones that are the closest to the big city, each say that they are good as the first gym. So while I don't think they scale, I do think that there is some degree of choice that the game is offering you as far as like, I went to, well, I mean, we've been playing. I went out from the big city to the west. You went out to the east. I'm planning to do the, my first gym battle as at the one at the west, which is not what I was expecting going in. I mm. thought the one to the east was correct, but it looks like as far as what the game is telling me that they're sort of interchangeable. And so I, I hope that that doesn't lead to like you do the first gym and then you go back to the other possible first gym and you beat the mm. shit out of him. But like I... I do like that they've managed to, at least my impression so far is that there's still allowing some of that choice to be like realistically expected. Mm -hmm. Like they kept saying like, do the gyms in any order, but if the gyms don't actually scale, you, you can do the gyms in any order in a technical sense, but from a gameplay sense, it will not flow and it will not be satisfying. You can do it whenever you want. It's Uh just, they are at a certain level and they will not change. So yeah, you could be biting off 
way more than you can chew. Yeah. Uh, so it may be that the gyms, you know, it may be that the third, fourth and fifth gym all have Pokemon at the same level and that has varying degrees of challenge. But I do think that the impression I've got now is that they're trying to walk the line between really letting you do what you want while also having a path that you can take if you want to do it in order. Yeah, you could. I mean, they give you the freedom to do whatever you want, but it's yeah. like it's definitely more advisable to follow the gyms in order. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think one of the other things that is kind of cool with this game is um, the updates we've made to the overworld. So, I mean, there's items just sprinkled all over. And they, I don't, it seems like they maybe refresh. I, I can't quite tell That's yet. the impression I've gotten too. Um, I'm like, I definitely was here. Yeah, but like, I mean, I'm finding like berries and TMs and Pokeballs, Pokeballs like potions, all over. Like, all, like I was like constantly. Um, yeah. So like that's kind of nice. I think the game generally keeps you pretty well stocked, um, which is yeah, obviously nice. I and mean, I don't think they're ever necessarily bad at it, but no. it's nice that you just get it without that much effort. The impression um, that I got is yeah, they're well, really trying to encourage you to be able to keep exploring instead of to have to double back to a Pokemon Center every five right. minutes. Um, and I think the other thing is um, that Shinies are in the overworld. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's a little different from Legends, though. So in Legends, you would get uh, like a little bell sound if one was in your vicinity, and you could kind of like look around and find it and all that. In this, like they still show up in the overworld as shiny. You just don't get any kind of like notification about it. Yeah. So like if you if that's something you care about, just you know keep your eyes out. Like head it's, on a swivel. Yeah. Um, I've actually caught like three today. Yeah. Just because whatever reason, like I, you're super lucky, I guess. <laughs> probably. Uh, so yeah, like I, I think I was in maybe the first two hours. Like I had just left, you know, the, the sort of hometown or whatever. And I, I wasn't even to my first Pokemon center yet. And I <laughs> like, you know, I'm just battling some stuff, you know, just trying to get like a little bit of a team together. And like I turn around and there's a shiny Azurel. And like I had, I didn't know it was there. It was just there. Like once you encounter it, you'll see, like it'll do the little animation and the little noise that it's shiny. But yeah, you just kind of have to keep your head on a swivel and just really pay attention. Yeah. And that can be tough with certain species because yeah. their shinies are super subtle. So you probably won't notice it. Uh, like yeah, if you're like not Pikachu really looking for it. Pikachu is a slightly different shade of yellow. Yeah, oh, it's like almost like a dark, I don't know, almost like a brown. Yeah, like a, a little brownish, bit. orangish yellow. There but, are, um, I mean, there's others like I don't know what the other one, like the, the Azurel. Yeah, um, it, it's bright ass green. Like, yeah, it was like oh tell. okay, there you go. Um, yeah, there, one of the other features is um, the Let's Go feature. So you can basically just send a Pokemon out to go. Like kind of auto battle whatever's around you and it'll it'll pick up items it picks up materials um which actually let you craft tms in this game so unfortunately tms are single use again but it at least lets you like yeah. craft more Easy which to come is by, it seems yeah so that is a vast improvement over bdsp yeah which was a horrible pain in the ass to get yes tms um i have a lot of thoughts about that game but you know we'll Kind of keep it on topic. We'll spare you. Yeah, we'll keep it on topic. And uh, but basically, like you get materials to craft different uh, TMs from that. And so, um, from what I understand, if you're using the Let's Go feature and you run into a shiny, 
it your Pokemon will refuse to battle this shiny. Yeah, it's like that's one way you can t- like tell for sure. Yeah, if you're if you're looking at that Pikachu and you're like, is this a weird color or is it just the shading of like the shadows? Or do I just need to go to sleep? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there are ways around it. Okay, and I, I think yeah, like we said, we haven't gotten to a lot of the story, but I would say there's a decent amount of like exposition in Mesa Goza. Yeah, I found it very engaging. I, I'm yeah. feeling like there's multiple characters with multiple things going on and I'm invested in all of them. Yeah. Um, and I think been really I think the story like actually sets up like a little bit of a mystery too. In a way which, where like, I'm like, I, really I don't liked. know where this is going. Yeah. It kind of, it got me engaged. I'm, I'm hooked on it. I'm yeah. really interested to see where that goes. And um, it's, it lays it on thick. I mean, it's a Pokemon yeah. game and it's, it is pretty clear what things are important and what things are going to come back later. It's a game for, 10 year olds like yeah. it's not subtle <laughs> yeah but uh I'm, harry potter is an orphan <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I'm really impressed at the characterization and world building that they've been doing with them and i think it really bodes well for us once we start actually getting into those stories that it will continue to be exciting and engaging not yeah. just because it's new pokemon using new mechanics in new locations, but mm-hmm. because of that extra care that seems to have been put in. Yeah. So I think with that, the last thing I wanted to do was just to sort of do a bit of a retrospective. Um, we're going to leave the Pokemon Let's Go Eevee and Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu games out because those are, I think, too distant to be relevant to this conversation. And then yeah, Brilliant, very different. Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl was also so its own thing. Um, but this game, I would say you can it's re- a great DS game. <laughs> if you're really Jones in a replay of those games and you don't have them sitting around on DS, the, uh, the switch versions are probably cheaper than the originals. So go for that. Uh, maybe. <laughs> um, but yeah, the sword and shield and Pokemon legends Arceus, obviously Scarlet and Violet are the next ones after sword and shield. So they are pulling, I think most directly from what's set up by sword and shield, they're reacting to it or pivoting off of that in most instances. But with the open world, obviously Legends Arceus. I mean, the Sword and Shield tried it out with the wild areas. Yeah, and the that DLC was like especially. a sort of a. I feel like that was sort of a proof of concept. Yeah. To you know, get into Legend Legends, and which then was like, okay, yeah, people yeah. are into this. We'll go. We'll go into it. Yeah. So I think this is very much the child of Sword and Shield mixed with PLA. How do you think it compares to those? And also one of the thoughts I had going into this was if I start playing Scarlet and Violet, is it going to feel immediately that Sword and Shield and or Pokemon Legends Arceus have become obsolete? So how does it compare as the next in the line? How does it compare just as a game? And how how does it make you feel about like the lasting interest that those games can pose? Well, I think open world games have been getting more and more popular partly because they're more feasible to make. Um, yeah. And so I think, yeah, people will Sonic really enjoy- has a new open world game, Sonic the Hedgehog. Okay. <laughs> um, but I mean, yeah, if you pr- played like breath of the wild, it's a great game. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's, I think where we're heading a little bit more. So that's probably I really like Pokemon is built for this. So yeah, like, they, I think it, that's really where we're heading with the series. And I think um, that was a sense when you started, uh, even with the the wild area, but especially Legends yeah. Arceus, it felt like, oh, this is what Pokemon was always meant to be. Yeah, they, the last couple games were like kind of leading up to this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as far as how it compares to Gen 8, like excluding BDSP, um, 
I think so far, I think I like it a little better. Um, well, I, I like it better than Sword and Shield. Um, I liked Sword and Shield. It's just, it's an easy game. Yeah. Like it, like if you know the type charts, like you got this. Like it, I didn't feel like it was particularly challenging. You're really like on a on one track. Yeah. For the almost the entire game, there's not a lot of twists and turns. You don't really need to navigate anywhere. It's not that the hard. worst that's going to happen is you accidentally run into a strong Pokemon in the wild area. Yeah, and like I think Gloomwood Tangle was probably the hardest to navigate, but that was like one just barely. spot but where it's kind of like part, hard to get around. But it, for the most part, it's super easy. It's to get always around. and I think, <laughs> and I think that was the thing with Sword and Shield is like they focused really hard on like quality of life improvements, um, just making the games a little bit more accessible, particularly for like competitive. Yeah, minded people it had like never been easier to play. Pokemon. Yeah, like you know, now you have. I mean, they've been adding this stuff here and there, but it's like bottle caps, um, mints, ability capsules. Now that like, the ability patch as well, so it's like really like if you catch a Pokemon, it, it's pretty modular at this point. Yeah, um, and I feel like that's what they were really focusing on with that with those games in particular. Yeah, um, the story I think was okay. Yeah, it um, kind of. Did not stick the landing. Yeah, not quite. Um, and yeah, we'll see how how well Scarlet and Violet does that. But I think yeah. so far, I think it's I think it's a little more satisfying gameplay. Um, you're having yeah. to like work a little harder to f- find the Pokemon you want, and then uh, just I mean the world's massive. It's so huge. Yeah, um, you can really get. I mean, I've been I haven't been sitting around. I've been doing stuff the whole time, and mm-hmm. I just made it to the first town with a gem. Yeah, and I mean, I think Legends. Honestly, Legends is probably my second favorite of the Pokemon series. Yeah, like, close close second behind um like Black and White. Yeah, because um, those are maybe I'm just sentimental about them because that's what got me back into Pokemon. But yeah. also I think those are particularly good Pokemon games. Yeah. And I thought most Pokemon fans Legends agree was, with you. And I think Legends was really, really good. I loved the plot. I had a great time getting through it and seeing all the twists and turns. It was really fun um exploring these different areas and having to navigate those. I think the other thing with that for me too was um it was challenging in a way yeah. that I hadn't been challenged in a long time. Like like it was kind of hard. Yeah. You know, like you didn't have the infrastructure of like Pokemon centers and, you know, Pokemarts and all this stuff. Like you have to craft things. You're finding these alpha Pokemon that are actually really difficult. Like, you know, they have increased stats. So like you're like, like I felt like there were a lot of moments that were like, I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to like win a battle. Yeah. They also tweaked, the battles themselves so it wasn't just a you move i move turn order yeah and my my impression i haven't looked up the data on this but just from playing especially playing a lot this week leading up to scarlet and violet is that like pokemon do more damage than you're used to in mm-hmm. the main series game yeah like you're more likely to like i don't know i had a pokemon that was in like single digit levels do almost half of my health to a Pokemon that was in the mid twenties mm-hmm. with a move that was just neutral damage. Like that would never happen in the main series games. Not even once. Yeah. And, and it, was, it was, I think the games were like really immersive. Too. Yeah. Was, so I think part of that was you can't just win in a battle. You mm-hmm. have to, you have like, you have to creep around these Pokemon and try to surprise them mm-hmm. to your advantage or you have to plan ahead. Yeah, and you really are in like the wild. And yeah, these are just wild Pokemon, and um, 
I think that's what made it feel so engaging and like immersive was like you are the way you interact with them in the wild and you know, like how um, seamless the battling was. It's like you throw your Pokemon at uh, like a Starly and it just starts like you're just in it and yeah. you're, you can move around the, the scenery. Like it's not just a generic battlefield. Yeah. I think I would say for me, I was worried because I haven't finished Pokemon Legends Arceus. The gameplay loop didn't like propel me to the end in the way that the normal main series games do. And I I love it, but it's just it just lets me get lost to doing other things so well that I just didn't finish. Um, And I think Scarlet and Violet has a lot of that, too. But the sort of like different plot lines should help keep me going ultimately. Um, But I was thinking this week leading up to it, I was playing so much Legends Arceus because I needed a Pokemon fix before these games came out. And I was like, once these games come out, they're going to be even more open world than Legends Arceus. And it's going to be the more traditional experience that I do like better, even though I really like the gameplay of Arceus. And I was just sitting there and I was like, am I ever going to finish Legends Arceus? Because if these come out and make this game obsolete because it does everything this game does better, then it's going to be hard to go back. And I would say I can see if you liked Pokemon Sword and Shield and if you liked Pokemon and or if you liked Pokemon Legends Arceus, I think they still hold up compared to this game. Mm -hmm. I think that Sword and Shield is a much more traditional Pokemon experience. It is trying Pokemon in the overworld, which obviously came in Let's Go first, but Mm -hmm. it's trying it in a a different way. And it's trying open world sections, but it also has routes. It also has random encounters. It's got that classic Pokemon game feel, and it has a linear path. Mm-hmm. You always have know where you're going next. And that can be, you know, for a lot of open worlds give you so much freedom, but sometimes it's nice to know where the game wants you to go next. And Sword and Shield gives you that. Mm-hmm. Legends Arceus, I think the because it was made concurrently with Scarlet and Violet and not as like the thing that came first, the catching mechanics are so different. And they are really cathartic in a nice way. It is really satisfying to just yeet a Pokeball. Yeah. Starly from behind. Just hear that like thwack sound. Yeah. And you can you can throw your Pokeball, but it's totally different in Scarlet and Violet. That has rolled back the I am the hunter aspect that came from Pokemon Legends Arceus. And I think that I think that probably what we'll see in generation 10 is that the catching mechanics are going to feel a lot more like Pokemon Legends Arceus with the open world that you get from Scarlet and Violet. So I think it is a great iteration, but it, it feels so different from Sword and Shield. And honestly, because of those gameplay changes, it feels so different from Pokemon Legends Arceus that mm-hmm. if you liked any of those, playing this isn't going to make you going back to those feel like, oh, what the hell am I doing wasting my time here? Mm-hmm. Um, and I like that. I, it makes me feel like they're doing something different with this rather than just something next. Mm-hmm. So I think overall I'm feeling very positive. Yeah. I have never noticed the technical glitches in the way that I am here. They really do intrude on certain moments and yeah, that's a shame. It, it's mostly just it, it's visuals. Like, yeah. you know, like I've had a few uh, Pokemon encounters or, you know, trainer battles where it's like I'd be 
like the camera shifts and all of a sudden like I'm getting a glimpse of like the distortion work. Yeah. You know? You're like seeing you know? underneath the map for yeah, a second. It's like, that's kind of weird. Yeah. Um, and I think we were doing it. One of the terror battles we were doing earlier or one of the terror raids, like my Pokemon just randomly like sank into the floor <laughs> on my switch. Uh-huh. I don't think it did for yours. I didn't see that. But I was the hell just happened? Like, yeah. did somebody just like roll the the wrong number on Jumanji or something? Yeah, <laughs> there are there are a lot of unfortunate glitches, and I think if you are a stickler for those things, it is going to intrude in a way that will frustrate you. But I think for us, we're such big Pokemon fans that the core gameplay loop of finding and catching and battling the Pokemon is more than satisfying enough to make up yeah. for it. Yeah, I, I think this. I think the games were just really ambitious. And yeah, maybe it they didn't quite stick the landing with it, but I think it is no matter what, it's a big step forward. And, for and I think that ambition shows in the size of the map. Yes. So the look of the map being a little muddy for me is a perfectly fine trade-off for that gameplay loop. So I, I would say if you're curious at all about these uh, and you like Pokemon, especially a traditional experience, but even if you liked Pokemon legends, Arceus, this might do it for you. Yeah. It's definitely Actually, a little bit of a blend of the two. Yeah, it's it's the much, much closer, I think, to Sword and Shield. You're not going to have Pokemon ch- hunting you down, and you're not going to have those, like, high-stress encounters like that. But uh, You're not going to be constantly bombarded by Paras. <laughs> oh, God, no. But, yeah, you're you're going to, I think, I think overall, this is a really, really exciting step forward for Pokemon. And despite the technical issues, it is a really satisfying step forward overall. So, uh, you know, we're going to go play a bunch more of it now. And uh, see, <laughs> yeah, we <laughs> be <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening. Tell if you've got the games, let me know what you think. Um, if you're in like discord or something, try not to be too spoilery too soon because one, I play the game slowly and I don't want to be spoiled, but two, you don't want to spoil somebody who's maybe consider- considering getting the game. But uh, definitely reach out in Discord, on Reddit, uh, wherever. Let us know what you think. And yeah, give, uh, give it at least till New Year's. Like some people yeah. are just going to get it for Christmas. Yeah, give it give it that like statute of limitations. Blake is going to take forever and probably not finish I'm it. I'm concerned so. about those Charizard raids coming up. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. You're the worst. I love you. Okay. <laughs> you too. All right. Bye. Blake and Spencer Get Jumped is made by Forever Summer Productions and presented as part of the Geekly Grind Podcast Network. Sound editing is done by Rashad English. He's our level 15 sound wizard. Fireball! 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 Ad-free versions of our podcast are available on Patreon, along with extra Patreon-only goodies, like additional conversations and articles written by the hosts. Follow us on Twitter at B&SGetJumped. Like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Blake and Spencer Get Jumped. Or talk to us on Reddit at Reddit.com slash R slash Get Jumped. We also have a Discord server, and you can find links to that on our social media platforms. If you like the show, please like, subscribe, and leave a review. Reviews help other listeners find our show. New episodes come out every week. Thanks for listening. Hello.
Hello, my name is Jeremy Snow, and I'm the founder and editor-in-chief of The Geekly Grind, a geek-centric website that covers all manners of topics from video games and anime to tabletop games, board games, comics, and more. If you're looking for a website to add to your daily rotation for some of the latest news, reviews, and overall takes on where geek culture is headed, make sure to bookmark thegeeklygrind.com and pay us a visit. I also wanted to thank you uh, for being a faithful listener to this podcast. Blake and Spencer Get Jumped is a vital member of our podcast family, which also includes Knights of the World Table, which is a D&D audio drama podcast, The Ink and Paint Club, an animation podcast, Comic Book Keepers, which is a comic book podcast, and Geek Exploration, the podcast which is on general geek culture. We also have the Geekly Grind podcast, which provides audio renditions of our published articles, special guests, and more. Make sure to seek those out and listen to them wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again.